fourth week we've seen this video. And that joke still does not get old with me. It, the Lord has blessed us today, but it seems that He's been particularly good to me. That movie clip is off of A River Runs Through It. And there's been a lot of talk about fishing this week with my, my close group of friends, the people that I work with, people at church. And I don't know if you know this, you can Google it later, but they've set a new record, a world record for, fit, for a fish caught on a rod and reel. You know, most of us, we go out and catch a, a bluegill or a red-eared bluegill, and they'd be about this big, and, and you, you know if you catch a really big one, they've got that bump on their head, and that's a, that's a, man, that's a big one. There's a guy in Arizona two weeks ago caught one that was 5 pounds, 12.8 ounces. Google that when you get home. Not during the sermon. Okay, not during the sermon. My name is Matt Griswold, and I'm so thankful to be here with you this morning on an absolutely beautiful day. Hasn't God been particularly good to us? You know, besides the, besides the weather, the weather is just, he says, oh, okay. The weather is just something, okay. I give you the weather to enjoy. I give you the, the earth to enjoy. He, t- he told Adam and Eve, he said, I'm going to give you this big garden. And the whole earth is just, all you know is just going to be your playground. It's going to be your sandbox. But something intentional that we're going we're gonna to touch on this morning. Yes, it's Easter Sunday. Something completely intentional was this. At Connection, we seek to do a couple of things that might be different than what you're used to. We're married, we call it, we're, we're married to our core beliefs. And one of those core beliefs is this. There was a real man named Jesus Christ who was sent from heaven. And he was born of a virgin and her name was Mary. And for 30 plus years, he walked this earth. And for the last three and a half years of his life, he began to invest in an input into these 12 disciples. And the Pharisees and the, and, the, and the religious rulers didn't like what Jesus was doing because he was a revolutionary. He was, he was saying, there's no longer a need to sacrifice animals or grain. I am the sacrifice, is what he said. And one of those firm, concrete, absolutely not going to budge things that connection has that we believe in is that Jesus Christ was a real man. They really put him to death and he was really dead. But. However he did it, I wasn't there. But God the Father, the reason that we celebrate Easter, is God the Father raised His Son from the dead. And when He walked out of that tomb, 2,000 some years ago, it gives us hope today. You're having a bad day, you're having a rough spot in life, here's the deal, because Jesus walked out, there's hope. He didn't stay dead. Amen. He didn't stay dead. What would, it, what would it have been like to be one of, as recorded by Luke, one of the women? And we know that it's, that it's true. You would have never mentioned women in a biblical story unless it was true because women, no offense, but women back then were property. They weren't, they weren't important. They couldn't speak in a court of law. But women came to see the body of Jesus and he was gone. no more dead Jesus. And they said, where did you take my Lord? Where did you take Him? We celebrate Easter. I got to talk with my girls this week. What's the reason that we celebrate Easter? You know, the cool thing about our church is this. One of the cool things about our church is this. We have a Kids Rock program and a Baby Gap program that put truth into our young people. On my kids, your kids, your grandkids, whatever. But my kids are six and three 
Emma six, Lydia's three. And I asked them this week just to see, just to, just to find out what, what was their knowledge. And so I asked Lydia, I started with Lydia, she's three, almost four. And I said, Lydia, why do we celebrate Easter? She said, because that's when God raised Jesus from the dead. We have a program that's teaching truth. Truth. Truth to our young people. Oh my, what, what will it be like in ten years if they grow up in this atmosphere of servanthood and learning God's truth for their life? Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you have your Bibles, we're not going to get there for just a second, but I'll give you some time to turn. We're going to be in Matthew this morning. Matthew chapter 16. It's in the very first book of the New Testament, and here's the deal. If you didn't bring a Bible, we're going to put it on the screen. If you brought a Bible but you don't know where Matthew is, and you're sitting beside somebody that's got one of those connection t-shirts on, they can either show you where Matthew is, or they can show you where the table of contents is and get the page number, flip to Matthew, then go to the 16th chapter. But first I want to tell you of an experience that I had this week. This, this week had a lot of ups and a lot of downs for me. On Thursday I went to a funeral of a 36-year-old friend of mine. 36. He was flying an ultralight airplane. He was checking some, some of his farm fields in the bottoms to see how much uh, water they had got. And he was coming back. And less than two miles from his house, he crashed and he died, leaving behind a wife, a bro- two brothers, mom and dad, nieces, nephews, and four kids under the age of eight. And it was very difficult for me to go. See a lot of friends that I hadn't seen in a long time, and fun- you, know how, you know how this goes. You don't see anybody until somebody dies or gets married, right? And I walked in, and immediately there were people that I hadn't seen in 10 and 12 and 15 years, and it was really good to see them, but then the service started. And his wife, Aaron, wrote the entire service. I want to tell you how big God is and why it's such a big deal that Jesus walked out of the grave. Because here's the deal. My friend Chris was a follower and faithful believer in Jesus Christ. And his wife said this to me. We are not going to have a moping around funeral for my husband. We are going to have a worship service to my king. Why is that possible? How is that possible? Because Jesus Christ walked out of the grave. We have hope. Man, what what sorrow is going to be in their life. What hope we have to later. When this life is over for me, I get to see Chris again. He gets to see his family again. And as I sat there, I looked across, across the gym and I saw them. The funeral was big enough, we had to have it in a gym, okay? I watched the family's security on who and what they believed. A family that was built on the foundation of God Himself. They believe God. They understand God. Do they have all the answers? Absolutely not. Their foundation of their security was they they knew Jesus Christ was their Lord. And I got to thinking, in that funeral service, I got to thinking this. Connection has been started, was started almost eight years ago on purpose to meet people in this type of situation, isn't it? We meet people relevantly where they are. I was able to walk up to Aaron and say, Aaron, here's, I said, you've got my phone number, you've got my thing on Facebook. Please, anytime. I have, I have people that will pray for you. You know this? She goes, thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. I just, I so appreciate it. I said, do you need anything? Wow. She said, Wow. She goes, you live in Mount Vernon, and you're willing 
to give. I said, at our church, we seek to meet people wherever they are and show them the love of God, even in that moment. Even in that moment. I spent all day fellowshipping with old friends. Some of those friends I saw at the funeral are still searching for that relationship that I have and that Chris had with Jesus Christ. They're still searching for it. They don't know, their life is confused, you know, their confusion. As I listened to their stories and discussed different things, God impressed upon me the vision of this church. Talking with the people that are confused, talking about the people that are, that maybe they had a background in church and they, and they got away and I know no one in here knows what that's like. I'll be the first one in line. If this is your first time visiting Connection, you're not a, you're not a visitor, you're not a guest with us, you're our, you're our family. And I mean that. I don't care if you haven't been here in five years, I don't care if you've never been here, and this is your first time, you are family with us today. But I looked into the vision of Connection. And the vision of connection is meeting people where they are. We're married to those core beliefs. Jesus is the Son of God. He was crucified for our sins. God raised Him from the dead. Those are things we're not going to move out of. We're not going to move away from. And then there's methods. And methods change. We seek to reach people if the, if the methods change. And I've talked to Jack about this. And I've talked to you about me talking to Jack about this. And I said, Jack... If the overwhelming population of Mount Vernon goes to polka music, I know, I know, he says. We'll play polka music. We seek to be relevant. Connection was started to reach people of the contemporary culture. And as I, as I sat there and the funeral went on, and it was all, there was a casket in the gym. Like the, my, there, Chris was in the casket. Other than that, if you did not know that that was there, you would have thought it was a regular Sunday morning. The preacher had some great points about promises of God. But I thought to myself, Matt, what if this was you? How could you have that joy? Why does it matter? Why do the last four weeks that I've been preaching on why we do what we do, why does it matter? And it comes down to one pivotal point in the history of this earth. And it's that Jesus was raised from the dead by his dad. Everything pivots on this. I can have hope. You can have hope. I can have freedom from addiction. You can have freedom from addiction. Other things in this life, anger, whatever. It all pivots on Jesus. So for the last four weeks, you've been hearing sermons in this sermon title called Connection, Gone Fishing. And we looked at a river runs through it. And we look at Paul and his brother and his dad. And we related that back to in the New Testament when Jesus called the disciples. And we understood this, that when Jesus called his disciples, he had an agenda for them. He didn't say, come on guys, let's, let's just hang out together for three years. It wasn't about that. He had an agenda. And we discussed this, when Jesus Christ calls you, when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he has an agenda and here's, here's where it gets bumpy. Here's where we don't like it. His agenda, most of the time, is going to change your life. We don't handle change well. We don't. We do not handle change well. I'll put it, for, I'll put it to you in this way. Let's say you're a taller person. 
Or you're a shorter person. Let's say you're a shorter person and I go get in your car. And I adjust it how I am comfortable. And I leave it that way. And then you come out there and get in your car. There's not anyone, there's not anyone that's going to be comfortable. Oh, I don't like this. The mirror's different. If Mary drives my truck, the mirror's different. See, we, we don't handle change well because Jesus said this. He said, guys, I'm going to call you. They were fishermen. They were ordinary people. You're going to be different. And there's the Hollywood, the Hollywood eyes video clip from the Bible series. Whenever the disciple asks him, he says, Jesus, what are we going to do? And Jesus says, change the world. Not because they were good guys, because Jesus was who Jesus was. And he did the will of his father. We looked at where, the, 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 we looked at when Jesus calls the, the guys, Jesus has an agenda. He has an agenda for us. We also looked at this. Connection-wise, in our culture, where are the fish biting? And I told you, I said, if you dug out a brand new pond, and you put however much water you want into it, and you never stocked it, I understand there's different ways that fish eggs can get into your pond, but let's just say they don't. And you threw, you could throw a crankbait, you could throw a spinnerbait, you could throw an inline spinnerbait, you could throw a Carolina rig, and some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. You could throw a bobber with a hook and not catch anything because there's no fish there. See, Connection decides that this, we decided that, that our vision, God's vision for us was that we were going to go where the fish are because we don't make a big deal about this building. Connection is not a building. You're sitting inside a four-wall building, a long rectangle. This is not our church. You're sitting around our church. This is our church. And at Connection, we talk about, we, get, we take our sponge that gets all dried out during the week, and we bring it in here, and we soak up what God has for us. And when we go out, we don't just keep all that for ourselves. We squeeze. Some of you are here because someone invited you. Then... Last week we looked at this. Why should we even fish? Why should we even bother? What's the big deal? I'm okay. I'm safe. I have a relationship with Jesus. Why should I spread it? Why should I go? So I looked at this point, And I asked you these questions. And if you remember, you remember. And I said, some of you are sitting here today because someone invited you to church. Because someone sacrificed their time and their gas money and they brought you to church. Some of you had parents like mine and you got voluntold you were going to go to church. It wasn't a choice. Voluntold. See, it it sounds like you get asked, but you really don't. But there are times in my life when I call my parents and I say, "I I want to let you know something. I'm so thankful that you put into my life like that. I'm so thankful that you invested in my life. And we talked about that last week. And even some people emailed those people that had fished in their lives or they called them. A connection exists to connect with God's heart and the hearts of others. And we become friends with all people as we what? We live and we love like Jesus. And you know what? Some people aren't ready to be Loved on like Jesus would love them. And they say, no, get away, no. Mm. Or they think, man, the idea that connection is doing, that's just, that's just out there. That's all we seek to do here. If you have your worship handout, now worship handouts look like this at connection. 
Now again, someone invested time, invested their talents to print this out. If you open it up to the very first page, it'll say April 5th, 2015. Yes, there's a lot of blanks. Yes, you'll be able to get to dinner on time, I promise. If I'm late to my grandma's to eat her mashed potatoes, I'm going to hear about it, so I'll make sure that we're out of here, okay? Right here. Connection exists. If you have a pen, we're going to fill that in. Look at the screen. Connection exists to help others, what? Develop a relationship with God. Connection exists to reach people in the contemporary culture around us. What is contemporary? If you think, I thought back, I thought back about this. And I reviewed a whole bunch of older sermons about things that, that another, another pastor would have me do, uh, maybe a song that we, we would sing. I used to be the worship leader. Uh, just all kinds of these things. And it came back, I came back to this and just looked at it, and it just, I started to smile about all the things. And if you've been a part of Connection, you'll understand some of this. But we develop a relationship with God. We show other people how God has affected our life, and then we exist to reach people in the contemporary culture. Now, here's what the contemporary culture looks like in Mount Vernon. We're very close to Rin Lake. We're very close to Bell Rive. We're very close to a lot of people that hunt ducks and geese. Some of you are sitting here. And I remember Mike talking one Sunday about communication. And if you were at the school, you're going to remember this. And he was talking about communication and how God wants to communicate with us and that God speaks our language. And I remember I led worship that Sunday and I stayed up there and everybody's like, why is he standing up there? And Mike came up and he did his, he did, he did his introduction and I broke out my duck call and we started calling ducks in church and everybody thought I was insane until the guy in the back started answering me. You remember that? Talking about, listen, we have to be, if we're talking to ducks, we've got to talk ducks, right? If you're hunting geese, you have to talk like a goose. If you're talking to someone that needs to know the love of Christ, you have to find a way to be relevant, and that's what we do. We seek to exist, to reach people in the contemporary culture. People outside these doors and in this room right now hurt. That's a bad, that's a bad word to some people. They hurt so bad, and they've hurt for so long. So Connection seeks to do this. How do you do it? How do you reach people in the contemporary culture? If you're visiting with us and, you, and you've heard something about Connection, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just cut through what you've heard and I'm just going to tell you some of the things that we do. Okay, some of you are sitting there, did they really give away hams? Yes. We've given away hams. We've given away turkeys. Check us out in a couple months. Uh, ne- next month we're going to have another Community 11. We're going to go to somewhere completely different. Uh, we've only been there one time and we're going to give some other things out. Why? We're going to be completely relevant to the people. I don't think any of us walk today. I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, just tell me after church. But I think most of us had a ride of some kind. Connection is giving away gas in town. Or fuel, or diesel, whatever. Whatever you use. We've given away that. Why? Because Jesus has called us to fish for people. And this is the thank you Jesus part. He didn't tell you and I the limit or the number of fish that we had to catch. He just says this, I want you to fish. I want you to fish every day. I want you to fish like I did. I want you to create relationships with people that I can change their life through you. Through things that hurt in your life and that I've gotten you out of, Matt, you can plug in to someone else's life and help them. 
I had a friend of mine come up to me this past week and said, man, this warm weather, I'm just fired up to fish. And he's talking about fish. And I enjoy fishing. And when he said that, in my mind, I go, man. Whenever I'm around Connections people and we leave on a Sunday or we leave on a Connect Group night or we leave after a band practice, you know what goes through my mind? I am fired up to fish for people. I want to find more people that I can relate to, relate with. Yesterday in line at Walmart, I talked to two guys. They had a, sh- a shirt on from a school that I had I've taught at, and I, w- I was talking to them. And they were talking about fishing. They were getting ready to go fishing. And we, were, we were talking about hooks. <laughs> hooks. And I said, I don't know that, I said, in, in, my, in my personal, and I'm not a professional fisherman. There's other people in the church you need to ask besides me. But in my opinion, I would, I would use this hook because you get a better hook set. And it's a lot, and you lose a lot less fish. Oh, wow, cool. I don't know why I said that, because he was in front of me. He went all the way back to the sporting goods counter, and I waited until he got back. <laughs> but fishing for people is not something that some of us said, I didn't sign up for that. Ah, that costs too much time, it costs too much money, it gets me out of my comfort zone, I don't like it. We just want, those types of people just want, Jesus, I want you to impact my life. I don't want to do anything for you. I just want you, listen, Jesus and God are not genies. You're not going to rub on a lamp. They're not going to poof out. They're going to just do this. Jesus said, I called you. I called you. He called the disciples. In the New Testament, Jesus begins to send them out by themselves. No. By twos. Sends them out. But why? Because... Now, in, and in my house, here's the story. If you go fishing by yourself and you catch that monster bass, there better be video evidence. <laughs> oh, I caught an eight-pounder. No, you didn't. No, 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 you didn't. In this video, in the, in the video, Paul, Paul the brother, and River runs through it, goes out into the middle. He goes away from what? Watch this. He goes and does another Another way to fish. Now, if you remember back a couple weeks ago, if you're, or if you've seen a river runs through it, they set up a metronome. The dad sets up a metronome to teach them how to fly fish. That's one, two, one. And he sets it up like that. And if you look at Paul and you know how to fly fish or you have fly fish, he's not going one, two. Okay, he's roll casting and throwing it way out there, doing something completely different. You can be successful fishing alone. But if you've seen that movie, and I don't want to spoil it, and this will not ruin everything, but if you've seen that movie, you understand that one of those times where he goes out in the middle and he hooks a great big fish, he loses his, his, he loses his footing, and he gets taken down, and he doesn't let go of his rod like a true fisherman. Okay, but he goes down the river, but there's no one to help him. You can be productive fishing alone, but I believe this. I think that God, and when Jesus was talking to the disciples, has designed us to be partners. We need fishing buddies. You know as well as I do, it's a lot more, it's a lot more fun to go fishing with a buddy, isn't it? Fishing with someone. Maybe, yeah, there's times we can just go out and be alone. Okay, that's cool. But more often than not, I find, man, I'm going to go share this, or go bow hunting, or go deer hunting, or goose hunting with someone. 
If you have your Bibles, we're going we're gonna to turn to Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to be in verse 13. Again, we're, some of you are going to see this NLT. What's that? That's the New Living Translation. Is it the best study Bible? No, it's not. If there's ever anything that discrepancy-wise comes up, if you want a study Bible and you understand, you kind of understand church lingo and wording, the English Standard Version, the ESV is the best. This New Living Translation is a translation that was written, it's just easy to understand. It's just easy to understand. Easier, okay? Look at verse 13 with me. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Is Jesus calling himself the Son of Man? Okay, who do people say I am? Jesus is walking with his disciples and he says, Hey guys, what's the word on the street about me? I got any cool nicknames this week? Does Jesus understand that people are talking about him? Yeah, mm-hmm. no problem. We forget he's Jesus. Okay, now. <laughs> Not much going to sneak up on him, right? Okay. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now, he calls himself the Son of Man. A unique, capitalized title of himself. What's the word on the street? What are people saying? Here's what people were saying. Jesus was the talk of the town. There's that guy. And the high, holy people. Jesus would walk by. There's that guy again. He was the talk. Listen, if you took the Beatles and Aerosmith and Def Leppard on the 1988 Hysteria Tour, that popular Def Leppard, and you put all three of those together in the height of all their glory, and you put them in one together concert, they are still not causing as much ruckus as Jesus was. He is an ultra-supreme rock star. He's, his, he's known everywhere. This is the guy that healed that guy? Yeah, that's him. Wow, I've heard so much about you. What are people saying I am? Who do they, what do they say? And if you're like me, and I know, I know, I know, I know this is, this is, a, this is a tough time for some of you, but if you, if you know me, no, I do not follow enough to wear t-shirts or to claim such and such, but I do, no, easy, 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 I do like Duke basketball. And I, ha- and I was a Duke fan before the tournament, by the way, like eighth grade. Now, there are two types of people. People that hate Duke and people that love Duke. And you're laughing because it's true. Oh, Coach K, blah, 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 blah. Coach K is a basketball genius. And I don't think there's very many people that's going to argue with that. But here's the deal. Jesus was the same way. We're not talking about basketball. We're talking about Jesus. And his disciples would say this, Jesus, these group of people over here, that you just talked to, they love you. But these high holy people, these people that wear all the cool stuff, the garb and the, the Pharisee people, the studiers of the law, they're not a big fan. They're not a big fan. It's like Kentucky fans not liking Duke. They're not fans. Look at verse 14. Well, they replied, some say, so, so who, who, what are they saying about me? Some of the disciples said this. They replied, some say, you're John the Baptist. Now, why could he, how could he be John the Baptist? John the Baptist has just been, he's been killed. Okay? He's not alive. He's not around. 
He was the precursor to Jesus. This guy was a big deal to the Christian community. Why? He was the one that was baptizing at the river, and Jesus started his ministry, and Jesus went to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist says, whoa, dude, I can't even, I'm not even, I'm not holy enough to even untie your sandals. And Jesus says, that's okay, I want you to baptize me. Some people are saying, John the Baptist has returned. Some say this, Elijah. Wow. Wow. Elijah, major prophet in the Old Testament. And he goes on and says this. And others say Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. John the Baptist was already dead. Elijah and Jeremiah were already off this earth. Some people would say he was a prophet from God. But Jesus, if we have to answer your question, everybody's talking about you. And some of it's not good. You imagine emotion. Now, if we, we're talking about Jesus, he is completely God and he's also completely human. Do you understand the, what the ridicule, other, uh, just, just being human? You know what it's like when somebody talks bad about you. Can you imagine the physical and emotional pain that he endured just because and from the words of people that didn't like him? Before he was even touched with a whip. Do you understand? You're not who you say you are. Really? You're telling that to a guy. Listen, that when he was on the cross that he could have called legions of angels down. Thank you, Jesus. He didn't. Thank you, God. Otherwise, we have no hope. We're wasting our time. We should all go eat mashed potatoes right now. But we do have the hope. God did raise him from the dead. He did die for our sin. And it goes on. Then Jesus, in verse 15, drops the bombshell. Oh, yeah, yeah. What do other people say that I am? Can you imagine he's just loading them up for this? Just loading them up. He said, oh, who do other people say? Oh, they say that you're John the Baptist. And some people don't like you very much. Oh, that's, that's okay. Listen, look what he does. Then he asks them, Jesus is talking, but who do you say I am? You could spend a year, I won't, preaching on that verse. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that God is? Watch this. In your finances, in your attendance to church, in your ability to go fish, to prioritize your time, spending time with your family. But who do you say I am? There are many questions that we could ask about God. There's a whole bunch of questions that I get asked. I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. <laughs> we could ask questions like this. Dad, how old's God? <laughs> but Yes. You just, <laughs> I don't know. We get asked these questions that I cannot possibly fathom. How about this one? Why did Jesus die on the cross for our sin? Other than he loves us that much, good luck answering it. But who do you say that I am? Who do you say? This is a question. From a pivotal man of history asking a pivotal question in history. You could probably tie a whole lot of things back to this verse. Who do you say that I am with your finances? Who do you say that I am with your attendance, with your Bible reading, with, your, with, the, with the people at work? If you have your worship handout, check out the next blank. We're going to be in there. And the next blank says this. Who do you say that Jesus is? What do you say? Oh, I know some people do this. Ah, 
Jesus is a great guy when I get what I want. I've been there. You're going to find out if you spend any amount of time with connection that we're very real people. I've been there. Jesus is fine as long as he gives me what I want and I get to do what I want. You hear that? There's a whole lot of I in there. Others do not believe that Jesus Christ was God's son. How could he be born of a virgin? How could it possibly be God's baby? She is human. It's the only time it's ever happened. They don't believe that Jesus was God's son. Now Peter is who answers this question. Now we talked about Peter the last couple, the last couple weeks. He's the fireball of the disciples. <laughs> He's the one that whenever, a little bit later, if we're studying Holy Week, Thursday night, when Jesus is arrested, when the guard grabs him, Peter's the one, draws a sword, cuts the guard's ears, ear off. Hey, this guy, is, he's, he's first to act, first to speak, then to think. Have you been there? Okay, yeah, more nods this time. Okay, good. But he says this. Peter, a disciple of Jesus, answered the question, Who do you say I am? Look at verse 16. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. In one verse, Peter sums up Everything that Jesus is. Everything. He's the Messiah. You're the Messiah that the Jews have been looking for. You're the Son of the living God. Jesus, you are who you say you are. Now, Peter's walked with Jesus for a while. He's got to experience what Jesus is. But he got several things right. Listen to number one. Number one, Jesus was the Messiah the Jewish people were looking for. Number two, he was the Son of the living God in the flesh. And number three... Jesus wasn't just some, some person sent to earth. This was the true one and only Son of God. In this, Peter was saying, Jesus, I believe you that you were born of a virgin and her name was Mary. I believe you that you were from the line of David. I believe that you, that you have existed forever if we look at John 1.1. 1, 1. I believe you, God. Now what he was, what he was doing, do you understand... Like in, in this little scripture, just right here, he is accepting the agenda. I'll follow you wherever you go. Now, we understand Peter later, he falls down a little bit. And he denies Christ three times. And if you look in scripture, when Jesus raises from the dead and he goes and finds Peter, do you know what he does? He forgives him three times. Not once, he forgives him three times. One for every time. And he said, Peter, I know, watch, Peter's a lot like us. I know that sometimes you do things that you don't want to do. But you understand who I am. I love you. Look at verse 17. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Peter didn't sit down. Listen, you have to understand. Peter is... I'm not saying this bad. Peter was a very ignorant man. He's a fisherman. It's all he knew. Now, about fish, about fishing, genius. About social, anything else, no. No way. He didn't have it. There's something going on inside of you that's from God, Peter. Jesus is saying, Peter, you have, you've been told. There's something, you're changing. Your agenda 
that I've got for you, you're changing. You're a different person. Used to, you wouldn't talk to that group of people. Now, you're kind of getting a little closer. Hey, guys. And you're trying to fish. Yeah, you have a quick mouth, Peter, but you're getting there. Look at verse 18. Now I say to you that you are Peter. Oh, (laughs) You want to talk about a compliment? Here you go. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. All from answering one question right. One. He answered one question out loud correctly. He said, Jesus, you're the the Messiah. Jesus says this. He comes back to him. He goes, I'm going to build my entire cornerstone of the foundation of the church on you. Because you, you're the man. You're the guy that's going to help them whenever I'm out of here. All you guys. Understand what Jesus did. He changes the name of an adult. You don't do that unless what? Unless you've been changed. You're a new person. You're a new person. Think about that. Who's somebody in the Bible that you remember that had their life changed completely and was went from this one that was bad to this one? How about Paul? Saul, killer of Christians? Paul. That's a huge deal. That's a big, big, big move. From this point on, Peter became a name that, pe- that parents would name their kids. It was an honor. I talked to a guy this morning, and, and they have three generations of the same name. And there's, there's a junior and there's a third. What an honor that would be to carry your, your dad's and your grandfather's name. Now listen, this is the same, it's the same deal. It's an honor. Anybody ever named their baby after you? Lydia's middle name is after my grandma. My nieces have my dad's middle name and my grandma's middle name. It's after them. Why? Because we, we thought a lot of them. The name Peter begins and has its origin right here. This became the name. Big moment in history. Jesus calls Peter the rock. Now, we're not talking about the rock. Okay, a rock. We're talking about the song that we sing. The rock won't move. The big, immovable faith upon this rock. You're not going to build your house. If I gave everybody in here one cinder block, just, just one, and say, I want you to make this a cornerstone of your house when you build a new one. There's no one in here that's going to do that. Not one. You need a lot more, don't you? So there's got to be a big one. I will build the church on the rock. And then he looks at Peter. Listen to what he says. He says, Peter, I'm going to build my church on you and all the power of hell cannot conquer it. Why? Because he knew that his dad was going to raise him from the dead. He goes, this is not going to stop. I started this with 12 people. It's not going to stop. Hello, 2,000 years later, why are you in church? Because they did. It wasn't something that could be quenched. It wasn't something that could be put out. Jesus is still changing lives. If you want to know some more about that, come and talk to me after church. Mashed potatoes can wait. I can tell you people, I can give you experiences out of my life where God has changed me. He's changed the priorities in my life. The church 
has not and cannot be stopped. Oh, we have this. We have, we have church scandals and moral problems and fighting. But guess what? The church goes on. Jesus still saves. He still works. Prayer still works. You can't quit. It, it won't stop. You could get a group, and I don't care, I don't, of, of believers of Christ, I don't care where they go to church, followers of Jesus Christ, you get them all into one room. You're not going to agree on everything that you study biblically. You're not, you're not going to. But you know what you will? If they're a follower of Jesus, you know what you will have that common denominator as? Jesus was a living son of God. He died for our sins, and we have to have a relationship with him to enter the kingdom of heaven for eternity. It's there. It won't quit. But when we do this fishing, when we, when we go out, and, and, and Jesus is teaching these disciples right now, but when we get ready to go out, and we're going to go out by twos, or we're going to go out by threes, or, man, some people in our church have had the whole youth group over to their house. Woo, yuck. Teenagers. Man, they can come over anytime they want to our house. We've had, we've had so many teenagers in our house before. Guess what? We ran out of seats. Guess what they did? They sat on the floor. If you feed them, they'll sit on the floor. Just kidding. Just kidding. God wants us to partner with people. Look at your worship handout. These are two things that I believe about this fishing process and partnering together. This is what this, the four sermon series culminates right here. Connection will continue to invest in others, and connection will continue to invite others. Some of you, the second part, some of you are here this morning simply because someone from Connection invited you to come. I'm thankful that you're here. See for yourself what we do. All we're trying to do is lift up the name of Jesus. That's it. Connection will continue to invest in others. We will continue. There are people that will invest in your life. I meet with a couple guys during the week. You know what we do? We meet out. We meet. We have coffee. We have tea, whatever, whatever you want to drink at Hardee's. That's my office, Hardee's. That's a lot of your office, too. There's a lot of people mentoring here. But we go over a scripture. We talk about their week. Sometimes we don't even get into the book. And all I do and all they do is they share with me. I share with them. And I say, hey, it's like we're fishing buddies. It's like we're partners in this, huh? And I, and I can encourage them. And they can encourage me. And I can pray for them. And they pray for me. We will invest in people's lives and point them in the direction of Jesus. At Connection, we will not be a church that says, you sin. Most of the time, our people are jumping off to get down with them and saying, I've been through this. I know what gets me through. Let me walk beside you out of this thing. Let me walk beside you. Not tell you that you're bad. Not tell you that you sin. Let me get down there and walk with you because I've seen how God can heal this hurt in your life. How he can heal this addiction. Investment. Kids rock. Baby gap. Are investing in kids that are two and three years old. Younger. Older. But at my house, I ask a three-year-old, why do we celebrate Easter? And Lydia just straight up looks at me. Because Jesus died for our, for our sins, but God raised him from the dead. If you, if you have children, and you've heard something to that effect, maybe you reacted like I I wanted to like run around. I wanted to like go out and run around the house like six times. 
just wanted to shout, say thank you, God. My kids are being inputted with truth. Look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 and 20 on the screen. It says, I also tell you this. Talking about partners, he goes right into it. He says, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. I've had some unbelievable times. Unbelievable times in gigantic, huge corporate worship settings. I've, got to, I've seen Hillsong United three times. Every time I see them, it's just amazing. Unbelievable time of worship. You know what some of the most finite, amazing, high-quality times I've ever spent with God is? is with a group of two or three people and just me. It's in, it's in those times that people will share. People will, will help you. You can help them. And I like, I like this. When two or three come together, it's an official Jesus meeting. Why? Look, he promises. He says, guys, listen. He's telling, they can't possibly understand what he's saying. They cannot possibly understand that in a very short time, Jesus is not going to be with them. And they don't, they're not going to get this until after he's gone. But they're going to have some trouble in this life, and they're going to be walking around this world, they're going to be get made fun of, and, and Jesus promises in this, he says this, if two or three of you would get together and talk about me and sing praises to me and my Father, I will be there among you to encourage you, to be there, to strengthen you. We will continue to invite. Nathaniel in the book of John, Nathaniel comes up in the first chapter, Nathaniel comes up and says, Nothing, nothing good can come from Nazareth. And Philip says, come and see. Come and see. That's what we do. Come and see. God can begin to break walls and barriers down. Look at your worship handout. I love this. I absolutely love this. No, I'm not being egotistical or cocky about our church. This is all churches. Just include your church. If you're here visiting, just include your church. A church full of people partnering together in the most power, is the most powerful, persuasive environment on earth. Why? Because you have the most powerful engine running it. If God is your engine, I talked about an outboard motor with a guy this morning. And I said, well, that's, that's cool. God is more powerful than any VMAX motor that's ever hit the water. Ever. And he says this, a church full of people that partner together in my name will be the most powerful, persuasive environment on earth if, if we engage. If we say, God, if we get too many people that won't invest and invite, we will become like many churches and they'll just die. This is not a scary statistic. I'm not talking about just Jefferson County. Globally. Within, within this country, and they don't, they don't go that, that much different. Within the United States, 89% of churches are stagnant or they're dying. And that doesn't mean the other 11% are growing. That just means that they're not going downhill all the time. 11%. Think about it. 10 out of every 100. The only ones. 
If you get comfortable, Jesus said this, I'm going to build my church and the power of hell will not stop it. Will you partner with him? Will you allow him to be the leader of your life? If, you're in, if you go to another church and you're involved with another church, I want you to take something back. I want you to go to your, to your, to your other church. and some of, I don't have any idea where some of you go. If you don't go anywhere, come back. If you go somewhere else, go there. We're not into stealing people from other churches. But I want you to do this. I want you to go to your pastor whenever you go back home. And I want you to walk up to him. And I want you to tell, I want you to tell him, I share your vision. I'll follow you where we're going to go as long as it's with God. And I will do whatever it takes to partner with you to be some of the most powerful, persuasive environment on earth. If I need to clean toilets on Sunday morning, put me on toilet cleaning duty. He might fall over. Catch him. It's the most powerful, persuasive environment on earth. And Jesus says, you can't do it by yourself. Not one place in the Bible to say, oh yeah, just pray to me and I'm going to come. He says, listen, where two or three of you are gathered, I will be there among them. You can have church. <laughs> Some of the coolest, awesome worship I've ever seen. You don't have to fish alone. Why talk about this? Why, why, why talk about any of this? Listen. This is all possible because of today. And back then, today was actually celebrated yesterday. We changed it. But why do we celebrate Easter? Why do we celebrate the raising of Jesus Christ? So I thought about that, and I want to tell you this. Without Christmas, everybody loves Christmas. I love Christmas. The coming of Jesus. Without Christmas, there could be no Easter. Without Christmas, there could be no Easter. But without Easter, Christmas doesn't matter. Without, Christ, without Easter, Christmas doesn't matter. It doesn't. He's just another guy. He's just another whatever. He's just a guy we recorded in a book. But let me tell you something. He became a whole new character whenever on the third day God said, I want you to walk up out of here. And by the way, after he was resurrected, he was seen by over 500 human beings, eyewitnesses. They say, oh, that was a ghost, really, because if you look really deep in Scripture, it says that he shared meals with them. Ghosts don't eat. Some of you this morning are sitting here for the very first time, and you think, man, what's he talking? This Jesus guy sounds pretty cool. In a little bit, we're going to take what we call face down. Face down is our Lord's Supper. Connection wants to invite you this. this. This is your invitation. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a believer and a follower and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we invite you. We're going to take a little bit different probably. We have loaves of bread. You're going to come up. You're going to break a piece of bread off. You're going to dunk it in the juice. You can eat it there. You can take it back. Whatever you want to do. But we invite you to in a second. In just a minute. Josh is going to play a video before that, I want, to, I, want, I want to share with you something. I haven't always been a great guy. People talk to me now and say, oh, you're the pastor of a church. And immediately in their mind they said, oh, he has it all together. I don't. At Connection, you're going to find a whole lot of broken people. 
that don't have it all together and they aren't perfect, but we seek to, to have a relationship with the guy that is. And the cool thing about Jesus Christ is this. Some people will say this. Whenever I get my whole life together, then I'm just going to come to Jesus and we'll be good. You know the cool thing about that? Jesus says, you bring me the broken pieces of your life, I'll put you back together again. That's how I work. So in a second, I'm going I'm to lead us in a prayer. I am not speaking magic words. If you are a person here this morning that wants to make a profession of faith, you want to become a Christian, you want to become a follower, we're just gonna, we're just, I'm just going to ask God that you, I'm going I'm to pray, you just repeat these words in your head, in your heart. And if you pray that prayer later on, you come and talk to me after church, okay? I'm telling you, my mashed potatoes can wait. They can wait for what God has going on. I want to give you that opportunity because this morning you might have really, really encountered something that makes sense for the very first time. This Jesus guy was real. And when he died on that cross, he didn't die because he, because he just felt like it. The Bible says that God poured out all the sin that had ever been and would ever be done on His Son. And it was so bad that God could not even look on Him. And Jesus hung on a cross, a perfectly perfect, sinless man. And He died for every single person in here, and me too. And He says, all I want you to do, you believe that I am who I say I am. Remember that? What he asked Peter? Who are people saying that I am? You, want, you tell me that I'm the, I'm the Lord of your life. You ask me forgiveness for your sins. I'm going to come into your life and I'm going to have an agenda. I'm going to make you a new person. That's what he says. So if you want to do that, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads in a minute. You just repeat it. Just repeat this prayer if you, if you, if you want to. And after that, we're going to have uh, the, the Lord's Supper people come forward. God, we thank you. God, in this room, there may be some people right now that, that need to have a, a relationship with you. They, they, they understand that they, they have a sin problem, God. They're, they have never had a relationship with you. They've never asked you to be their Savior. So right now, God, as we repeat these words, God, I just ask that you see their heart, look into their life. If you're one of those people, just repeat this after me. Just silently. You don't have to do it out loud. Say, Dear God, thank you for sending your Son to die on a cross for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins in my life. I want to start my new life living how you want me to live. Come into my life, God. Give me a relationship with you. Thank you for saving me, God. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you talk to me later. As the, the people serving face down will come forward, I want to give you a little bit of instruction. There's going to be a video playing. There's going to be, there's going to be two people here. There's going to be two people here. There's going to be two people in the back. I know we got a whole bunch of people in here this morning. As soon as the video starts... 
you take time to remember. Face down is a time when we can remember what Jesus did for us. Thank God for what he's done. Thank God for today. Thank God for the relationship that we can have with him. Whenever you're ready.
people ask me, people ask me all the time, and I, or I'll tell them, I say, you need to come to our church and hear them sing. There was no one up here leading, yet people were singing. <laughs> you know why? Because God has made a difference in their life. God has chosen to come. We have chosen to have a relationship with Him. He has come into our life, and He has changed some of us. If I ask some of you what the difference is between you now and you five years ago, the stories we would get. In the last five years, in the last seven years, in the last three weeks, God desires to change us. It's hard for us. It gets us out of our comfort zone, and that we don't like. Sometimes. But I challenge you, if you go through this week and you're still asking questions, hey, just ask God to make himself real to you. It's this amazing thing called prayer. Sometimes when we pray, God just answers it. And then we're surprised. Thank you for being here this morning. As you go out this door, I hope that your sponge is all wet. And wherever you go to lunch, or if you go home, or if you go to McDonald's, or if you go to Grandma's, or wherever you go, you make it a point to share the news that you heard this morning. Who do people say that I am? I pray that we respond like Peter. God, you changed my life. When people ask me who God is, I say, God is a God that has got me through a lot of stuff in my life. He's brought me out of dark places and He set my foot back on that rock that He started His church on. He says, I have the firm foundation for your feet. Walk with me. Enjoy your day. There is no 4.30 service. There is not service after this. This is it. Go enjoy your family this afternoon, okay? Let me pray for us. God... I thank you so much (laughs) that you found it fitting and you found it okay to give us your one and only perfect son. God, and you had to watch the pain, you had to watch the hurt, the words, and the sin poured out on your son who didn't deserve it. That could have saved himself at any time, but he didn't. He chose to die. He gave up his life for us. And three days later, God, you spoke those unbelievable words when you said, Arise, my love. And Jesus walked out. And because he walked out, God, we're given hope. Not answers, but we're ha- we, get, we have hope. Hope in tomorrow. Hope in the future. Hope because we have a relationship with you for eternity in heaven. God, I thank you. I ask you to protect these people as they go their ways and as they travel today. I ask that when we sit down at our meals, that we, we sit down and talk with family members or other people, God, that we are just given that opportunity to share of what you've done in our life. God, help us be a magnet that points people directly towards you. In your name we pray. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.